Once again, uh, welcome everyone. Uh, really a delight to see you all this evening. For this evening, uh, what I was thinking of doing is following up on some of what I offered last week. And if you weren't here last week, it's not a problem. You'll, you'll fit right in <laughs> as far as this goes. But for those of you who were here last week, you might see that in some ways it's the same talk, but a little bit uh, uh, going a little bit more uh, deeper with some of the, the things I sh shared last week. And this week, it's going to be around this art of nurturing intentions or placing intentions skillfully. Um, one, it's still the new year, so I thought, oh, this would be such a good time to do this. And it's uh, it's quite central uh, in Buddhism, especially this this early uh, this early school of Buddhism. And when I was reflecting on this, I, I realized for me, the, the kind of this, this act of placing intention, which for me feels like this daily act of uh, having a practice, a spiritual practice. It, it, I, I realized for me, there seemed to be three qualities that popped out as I was reflecting on this that are really helpful for me to learn the skill and to really refine the skill. And I wanna go over each one of them and then also frame this a little bit and, and these, three skills or three qualities are having a quality of, of softness of the heart. And I'll go into more what I mean by that. Really, these qualities of, for example, of compassion and kindness, which I find really important in this realm. And then also it needs uh, my intentions that are important to me need a gentle persistence. I need to be soft, but there needs to be a persistence there. And then there also needs to be a clarity about the kinds of intentions I'm placing and how this will unfold. So these are the three qualities I, I wanna go over. But first I wanna step back and just uh, place intention on this path and hopefully uh, in our lives in some manner. And I wanna begin with a story. Quite a few years ago, I had a friend who had the opportunity to be with his uncle in the months leading up to his death. Really, this this uh, such a precious time to be with his uncle. And and because of the particular condition that his uncle had, uh, he was aware he was dying. He was very conscious and coherent, just because of the the kind of death that was unfolding for him. And so my friend saw this as an opportunity. So he spoke with him about these remaining months of his life, you know, and what he wanted to do with this time and how he wanted to live the remaining part of his life. And his uncle was pretty clear. He's like, I just want to watch TV. That's what I want to do. He wasn't interested in connecting with family. He wasn't interested in saying goodbye. He wasn't interested in saying, I love you to the people he was close to. He wasn't really interested in reflecting on how to make the best of his remaining days. Like when I heard this, it seemed like he was much more interested in checking out rather than connecting in any meaningful way with the remainder of his life. And as my friend was sharing this with me, I remember as he was kind of sharing more detail about this and about uh, kind of his uncle, I, I I found it heartbreaking. I found it sad. And 
And then my my friend offered this broader view, which I really appreciated. He said, these were the conditions that were cultivated during his life. And thus, these were the conditions he died with. He'd been cultivating these similar conditions for the most of his life. And so this is how he died. So the conditions that we're cultivating, so much of this path and practice can just be boiled down to that. We're just here cultivating conditions, all kinds of conditions. But that's our job as a practitioner. We cultivate the conditions and then uh, we leave the rest, as they say, to the, to the Dharma, that it will unfold in the way it needs to unfold. And there is a particular condition that the Buddha strongly emphasized, and that is the condition of intention. Because from a Buddhist perspective, the, the intentions you cultivate are significant conditions that shape your life. And, and they're being cultivated, whether you like it or not, day after day after day. And it's true, there are so many conditions, at least when I reflect on this, there are so many conditions that have shaped my life and are shaping my life just in this moment. Like this is happening. This is the, the way the world works around conditionality. And when I slow down on reflecting on why the, the Buddha emphasized the, this condition of influence, of um, intention, is it's because I have quite a bit of influence over the, the, the kinds of intentions that arise in this mind, at least compared to the influence I have on quite a few of the other conditions shaping my life. Like I have more influence. So this th th is an important condition because of the, the, the amount of influence that I have. For example, you know, I can influence the intentions in this mind more than the intentions of the minds of other people. I would love to influence the minds of other people. Wouldn't that be great to like really have some good influence? I mean, it just makes me happy imagining and fantasizing about that. But have you noticed that's kind of difficult? It's, <laughs> it's just not the way it is that I have much influence over that. I have much more influence over this mind because I'm hanging out with this mind 24-7. I have a lot of opportunity to influence it. And the, the Buddha is clear about this. For example, there's a collection of the Buddha's sayings called the Dhammapada. Again, it's one of the early texts in, uh, in Buddhism. And he says, uh, uh, and these are just the first two stanzas of this entire collection. He says, intention shapes experiences. Intention is first. They're co-created by intention. Namely, experiences are co-created by intention. If with unskillful intent you speak or act, suffering follows you as a track follows a wheel. Intention shapes experiences. Intention is first. They're co-created by intention. If with skillful intent you speak or act, happiness, or you could say contentment, follows you like a shadow that never leaves.
So he's emphasizing this because of the power of this. So in the terms of my friend's uncle, the condition that was significantly shaping the last months of his life was this intention to simply watch TV, which might have been this intention to check out. And then this led to a certain kind of world that he inhabited, namely a world with very little connection with others or even with himself. And one of the reasons why I wanted to share this story in particular with you is because I remember uh, first hearing this from my friend. It evoked that question for myself. In some ways, I was grateful that he shared it with me. Like, what are the intentions do, that I want to cultivate that are going to shape my life? This is, I find, such an important question. Your, your life is short. It really is. What are the intentions you're going to cultivate to shape it? Because that's going to determine the trajectory of it. So what do I mean by this word intention? So I, I want to take a little bit of uh, a time to explain this. And uh, it, it, it's tricky. There's a number of words, Pali being the early scriptural language of Buddhism, uh, one of the early scriptural languages of Buddhism. There's a number of words that kind of point to this realm of intention. And, and what I'm meaning by it tonight is it's really... It's, it is the movement of the mind or a movement of the mind that gives rise to certain actions. So on the subtle end of this, right, there's an intention to walk that happens in the mind and then walking happens. There's the intention to speak and then speaking happens. From a Buddhist perspective, there's also the intention to think and then a thought arises. So when a thought arises from a Buddhist perspective, there is always some kind of intention happening. So it's not just when I kind of feel like I am the one deciding, but like these intentions are happening, and I'll get to this, even when I feel like I'm not doing it. And I'm also including in this realm, just for this talk in regard to intention, some of the things that are happening in the mind that are, are close to intention that are influencing it. So that could be the views that arise, the views and perspectives that arise in the mind, the states of mind that includes also emotion that also shapes intention in particular ways that gives rise to, to actions, like actions of speak, speaking or thinking or bodily movement. So to keep it simple again, they're, they're intention, these movements of the mind that give rise to action. And I, as I was, uh, again, reflecting on this talk, I. I, I realize that that sometimes I find it helpful not so much to center the practice of being present or being mindful, which I'm down for. Don't get me wrong. It's really good. That's what we do here. <laughs> but to, to center the practice of placing intentions, because then it, it includes what we're doing here, which is uh, placing the intention to be uh, to be present. But this practice is also placing the intention to be kind or to be compassionate, to have equanimity, to be generous, so many other qualities that we're cultivating, and it requires the same skill of placing an intention. And all of these intentions shape experience. They shape the direction of my life. 
but hopefully you've noticed like me, this is not easy. Have you noticed this? <laughs> and the reason it's not easy is because I do not have complete control over the intentions arising in the mind. I wish I did. If I did, I probably wouldn't need this practice, right? I would have an intention and then I would do it. That would be the end of that. That'd be so nice. Have you noticed it's not like that with your mind? Right? You have the intention maybe to meditate early in the morning. And then before you know it, you're lost on your phone looking at social media, texts, email, the news. What happened there? What's up with that? You had this intention, but then you ended up doing something different. From a Buddhist perspective, yeah, there was the intention to meditate, but then all of these other intentions arose in the mind that directed your mind and body to do something else. This is what happened. Can you relate to this? Like, I feel like this is happening every day. I hate to admit this to you, but it's happening every day. I, I want to do this, but then there I am. I was supposed to be working on my talk today, but then I was looking at something else or having this phone call with somebody. So I, I just, it's really important to slow down with this predicament. You decide or you have the intention to be kinder, to be more present. You have a, a intention to be more compassionate with yourself or others. You have the intention to have better boundaries around a particular person or uh, uh, an intention not to speak about something or an intention to speak about something. And then in the moment, different intentions arise and the mind makes a different decision. What I want to point out here, I find it really helpful to slow down with those experiences and to recognize, oh, I am not in control. This is actually an insight in early Buddhism. So the Buddha talks about the selfless nature of experience. And at least in these early texts, often when he talks about the notion of self, it is intertwined with the idea that I'm in complete control. So when he comes across somebody in a discussion who's really like, no, there really is a self here. And this is what the self is. You'd be like, well, are you really in control of that? Are you really in control of your thoughts? Can you say, tell the mind to stop thinking and then it stops thinking or to have only these thoughts and not that those thoughts? Not in control. And what happens, and I've noticed this hook for myself at times, is I can think I should be. And then what comes with that is, if only I were a better person, this would never happen. And I haven't found that to be very helpful in refining, placing intention. That's why I'm talking about this. So there are a whole host of conditions influencing the arising of intentions. A whole host of external conditions at play. I might be in an external condition where I might feel safe. That's going to give rise to certain intentions. Or maybe oppositely, I feel threatened, and then that's going to give rise to other intentions. Or I'm in a group of people, and I feel like I belong, and then there's going to be certain intentions that arise. And then other situations where I feel like I don't belong, and then other tension, intentions start to arise. 
or in terms of my physiology, I feel hungry and then certain intentions arise. I feel irritated around about the people around me. I feel satiated, then I feel all this love for the people around me. I feel tired and energized in the same thing. And then this mind with intentions, it's conditioned by family, by society, culture, the community we hang out with. So I'm emphasizing as you hear again and again, I'm not in control of this show. This is the first thing that I need to remember about learning the skill of placing in, uh, uh, intentions. I'm not in complete control. And this is why I need the first quality that I mentioned to you is really having a soft heart. Really to be able to have compassion for myself when I get driven by the mind in a way that isn't working for me. This happens. Have you noticed this? This is what it is to be a human being because of what I'm sharing with you. This is such a key quality. I think when I started practicing, I felt like the fundamental thing I need to learn is to be present. Now I feel like the fundamental thing that needs to come first is to be soft. Because then being present ends up in a different way, and so do my intentions. Because this can be tough at times. I'm not in control of the show. It's like my life is this flowing river and it's being shaped to flow in a particular direction. And it's continually being shaped moment after moment in that direction. And so what also comes with this softening around like noticing that my mind is like this river that's being conditioned in this particular direction is that sometimes, probably this happens in my mind, more in the bad times, I can have the sense of, man, I think I want a spiritual practice so I can have a different river. I'm sick and tired of this river that I've been given and these causes and conditions. I would so like a different river than this river, but it's not that way. Like this is, this is the life I need to navigate. And I need to remind myself of that. You know, it's not of my choosing, but I'm responsible for it. And I feel like this path in practice offers a way to navigate this particular river that I've been given. However it looks, because sometimes I can feel like this river is somehow the wrong river. It's just a different river. So when my heart really understands the uncontrollability of this human life, it feels like compassion naturally arises. Like when I really touch that in my own life, it's like the heart softens. And if you notice that sometimes when you really understand that with another person, when I think of my friend's uncle, when I really reflect on that, there's probably all kinds of conditions that made his mind have this tendency to want to check out probably for good reason. And not to justify it or to say it's skillful, but to understand with a soft heart. I find that makes such a difference. And of course, this understanding is different than condoning unskillful actions. It's just understanding with an open heart.
so again, I'm, I'm not in control of the show and I am assuming that you're like me and you aren't either. So that's the bad news. It's funny, I kind of like talking about the bad news. Maybe like now I'm good at something or something about this. <laughs> but then there's the good news, which which I began with is I can still influence intention. I know it sounds impossible now that I've given all these conditions, but I think that's the amazing thing about this path and practice. As the Buddha says, if this wasn't possible, I wouldn't say it was possible. I share with you that this is possible because I've discovered that it's possible to influence intention to radically transform one's life. It's maybe not easy, but it's possible. So I have this quality of acceptance or softening of the, the heart. Yet what also is a piece is not, it's not just about acceptance, like, oh, this is the predicament, but the sense that I can influence, that there's possibility. Like if you look at the first factor of the, the Noble Eightfold Path, it's all about starting with at least that belief. It might be a belief now and then it can get confirmed or you see if that rumor is true, that it's possible some kind of change with diligence. And that's the second one, this diligence or gentle persistence. And I spoke about this quite a bit last week too, about beginning again and again and again. And one of the images I gave that also the Buddha uses is to continue to plant those seeds again and again and again. A moment of mindfulness, a moment of kindness, of compassion, a moment of wisdom, a moment of generosity, right? a moment of non-harming, a moment of joy, a moment of delight. This is the path I'm on, is just planting seeds like this. And then so the story goes, and I, this is my feeling of it, is that this influences the river of my life. It begins to trend in a different direction. Like I, I let go of the hope of having a different river and really am down for allowing this river to be shaped in a different way. Right? So I need to drop the hope for a different river and work with what I have. I, I find this really important. And then I'm I'm shaping it, I'm, I'm nurturing it to, to bend in this other way just by placing intentions in this skillful way. And hopefully you hear now there's the skill here because then I know I'm, I can influence intention, but I'm not going to get as hooked when I get overwhelmed because that's going to happen because there's all these other conditions. That's just the way it is. And I have to tolerate that. And it does, it it bends in this this onward leading direction. And then there needs to be clarity about the kinds of seeds I'm planting, to be really clear about that. And the Buddha gives the example of planting seeds. It's kind of like, if, if you have a seed, you need to know, is this going to be a seed that you plant that you're going to get some kind of bitter fruit from it that's not going to taste good? Or is this going to be a seed like when you plant the, the seed for a, a sweet grape? It's going to be so sweet. 
And I find for myself, I'm always refining what are these seeds I'm planting and they get sweeter and more refined. Yet also what comes with this is I need to start to become aware of the seeds that my mind just habitually plants. I'd rather they that my mind doesn't plant those seeds, but it's happening. Have you noticed the seeds that your mind likes to plant and the plants that come from that? That teeny little seed of worry, and then your mind likes to worry about this and about that and about this. There's all kinds of seeds, and I found it helpful to know what are my particular seeds? What are the particular seeds that your mind might habitually plant? It could be the seed of desperately wanting to be liked by everyone. It's nice to be liked by people. I really like it. But I don't know if you've gone down that road, the desperation of everyone liking you. It's exhausting. Desperately trying to find that one person is going to make you feel complete and whole. Wouldn't that be nice? Be so nice. <laughs> wanting to be perfect, wanting to be never to make a mistake. The seed of wanting to control or change others. I like that one at times. <laughs> there it is. It's like that impulse. And there's an intention, and then it can lead to kinds of actions that really can find my life and can find other people's lives, to be, be honest with you. And it's true, they can sneak in right next to my skillful intentions. I remember I worked on a farm, a biodynamic farm, and I'm sure many of you know this in gardening and farming in spring. You know, we planted all the starters. As you notice in the starters, sometimes the little sneaky seeds that are right there that come up right to next to the ones that we had planted that were probably in the soil there. They can sneak in these other intentions. It's just, it's just part of this process. So again, softening, softening the heart, the persistence of planting seeds and being clear about the seeds that you, you plant. And then the flow of the river of one's life, at least this is what it feels like to me, it begins to bend in a different direction. And to notice that and to savor that Sometimes I wonder if this is something that was in the Buddha's mind and his heart when he spoke about sometimes these stages of awakening that are spoken about in, in some schools of Buddhism. And the first stage of awakening is called stream entry. And I love the poetic quality of that. It's like, here I am, I'm, I'm bending this river, and then finally it joins this other river, this other stream, that it's so much vaster than my own little stream. It's like I'm entering the flow of this path and this practice. And then meditation practice or a spiritual practice can feel like that, where it feels like you're just being carried along by something that's much bigger than you. You've entered the stream, and you can feel that, that now it's it has a momentum to it. The really this feeling of truly beginning to step out of that other flow of conditioning into another flow of conditioning that's onward leading 
So entering this broader stream, stream entering. I also want to be clear when I give this vision, which I find to be inspiring. Oh, I have this potential to transform this life, this stream of this life, to enter a bigger stream. I I know that my mind at times, especially when I first started practice, can have this vision of if I practice in this way, then my life is going to be so smooth. And, and I want to point out that this notion of freedom is so different. It's about how this mind relates to it. And, you know, one person that I see as an inspiration around this is the Dalai Lama. It's amazing the ups and downs he's gone through. And I just want to share with you in a way of ending here, just a quote from him. And this was, somebody asked him about the situation with the Chinese government and also occupied Tibet and um, how he dealt with it. And to remember, since the late 1950s, the Dalai Lama has been interfacing with the Chinese government, really to, his main intention is to, to uh, care for the people who are still in occupied Tibet that are even to this day being oppressed. And so there's decades of oppression and him trying so many different things on the surface really to no avail, just the, the still the amount of suffering that happens there. And so somebody asked him how he held this. And he said, you know, some people, they call me a living Buddha. Some people think I'm a God King. And they said, you know, actually, I'm just a simple Buddhist monk. And other call me a wolf in monk's clothing. So it's just, I know, I love wolves, but I think he's talking about them a little bit differently. <laughs> Especially in, in Tibet, I mean, in China, I don't know if you've ever uh, watched the news there, but often, you know, he's he's seen really literally as a terrorist, and that's often the news as far as that goes. So he's seen as like this totally enlightened person and also the most evil person around. But he says, but none of that matters, really, what I do is I look back at my own intention. And if my intention is sincere, then that is what is most important. What would it be like to begin to reside there in the integrity of your wholesome, your skillful intentions? And then whatever happens, happens, right? Because Remember, I'm not, not in control of the outcome. I can place skillful intentions, and then what happens, whatever happens, happens. Sometimes it goes in a beautiful way. Sometimes it doesn't. But if I reside there, it can bring so much freedom. So may our learning, this, uh, this art of placing skillful intentions. May it go for the benefit of ourselves, for the benefit of others, and the benefit of the whole world. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.